Uh, good morning, church. Welcome to the 20th week of uh, this year. I can't believe that it's 20 weeks. It's flying, isn't it? Well. It's, it's flying. I, it just felt like just three weeks ago, we just said Happy New Year. And now we are in 20 weeks. Uh, it means that we are approaching the half mark. That's half of the year. And all too soon, it also means May will definitely be coming to an end. Amen. I hope uh, in this month of faith, your faith has been built up and you've primed yourself in a position to walk in a series of victories. Amen. I'm also excited about this coming week because it will be our camp meeting. And uh, to be precise, on Friday. I don't believe it will be a great time. I know it will be a great time. Now, from now to two weeks ago, I used to say, I believe it will be a great time. But after two weeks, um, I've started to say, I know. Amen. And I think that's a big difference. It's, it's going to be a very good one. So I'm very glad. And I want to say thank you publicly to all those who have expressed interest to participate and by registering. Uh, God bless all of you. Secondly, I'm also looking forward to our first in-person service. I'm excited about that. That's the following Sunday we are going to uh, have our first in-person service at the camp. And this, after 63 weeks <laughs> of, of not meeting, I mean, who would have thought? I remember when the pandemic first hit, I thought, oh, just that's going to be a month. You know, all things being equal, a month we won't have church. And that is 63 weeks. It's, it's very interesting the time in which we are in. And speaking of in-person service, I will have an announcement to make uh, after the sermon. Now, let's get right into it with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this morning as we come before your holy word. We pray that your word will be ministered in power, yet in simplicity and in clarity of speech. Thank you for what you do in this house this morning. I thank you that the Holy Spirit is ever present to instruct us and lead us into all truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. Um, today is part five of our current series, His Church, The Church. Um, the past three installments were under the sub-team, Ministry Gifts of the Church, uh, where we discovered that these gifts, uh, um, what they are, and we outlined uh, certain important features or qualities. Uh, that is not the exhaustive list. It's just concise, quite honestly. Because uh, each and every day, I think I come across a new revelation, some feature of each uh, gift. Like yesterday, like this, I learned something new about a pastor. And I'm like, oh, gosh. Oh, gosh, I, re I wish... I could have shared this with the church last week. So it's always evolving, amen. So I believe we just have covered just the basics of it and not really in its entirety and exhaustively speaking, amen. So in summary, we've concluded that the apostle is God's messenger or delegate sent forth. The prophet is God's spokesman or guide. The evangelist is a herald of the gospel. The pastor is a shepherd and the teacher is an instructor. Um, basically, there's the summation of it, and I'm sure if you listen to the message, you will get very in-depth uh, teaching on each of these offices. So today's sub-theme 
is dealing with the question of why after look, looking at who uh, hence this topic the purpose of the ministry gives to the church amen so for the past um, three installments we've looked at um, the ministry gifts of the church and today we want to focus on the purpose of ministry gifts to the church so when you talk about the ministry gifts of the church is answering the question of who when we talk of the purpose of the ministry gifts to the church we are answering the question of why amen so let's look at our scripture in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 to 12 to unpack that and uh, I'm gonna read this in two versions and I preach with the New King James, so I'll read this in King, New King James and then read the second um, version, which would be NIV, New International Version. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now carefully follow along as I read in NIV. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. So in, read, in, read, in reading this scripture in two different renderings, um, it really underscores to us uh, the purpose of why God has set ministry gifts into office the first purpose is to equip the saints and do you know that believers are called saints why are believers called saints psalm 50 verse 5 anytime i remember psalm 50 verse 5 i always remember one of our bishops because he's the first person that made me understood the word saint and a saint is a called out one that's all that it means a called out one so when we receive Christ as our Lord and personal Savior, we've been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. That alone qualifies us as a saint. You know, the average person's meaning of saint means someone who is holy, uh, who is pure, uh, and, and, and not mindful of things of this world. Some truth there is to it, but a saint, biblically speaking, is one who is called out. So Psalm 50 verse 5, Gather my saints together who have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. That's a saint. Saints are called out one. Hasid, as it's called in the Hebrew. So we have been called out to worship God. We've come as a purpose in service to worship God. We are not just a community of people just gathering for um, no reason we have gathered for the purpose of worshiping God and that alone makes us saints amen so believers are saints and right here we we see the first reason or the first purpose of ministry gives to the church is to equip the saints the word equip in the original text that we read means complete finish and when we talk about finishing finishing means to enhance so complete enhancement so ministry gifts have been sent forth and given to the local church to completely enhance the church. Now, mind you, the original text is written in Greek. 
So when the writer used the word equip, two, two things came into the mind of the average Greek person. You see, the, the, the powerful thing about words is that it evokes images. You know, when, when we say something, you, you, you can see it in your mind's eye and then you, 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 you make cognizance of that. Likewise, in those days when you said the word equip, it meant two things to a Greek person. One, it meant certain broken bones. And number two, it meant mending nets. So from my understanding, when we put these words together, it simply means equipping has the idea of setting things right, trying to put things right. Ministry gifts are supposed to enhance the members in the church so that they will become strong, mended, and fit Christians. Uh, when we came into the church, we were all broken at a point. Especially when I'm talking about setting broken bones, we can relate. All of us were broken at a point. We were used by the devil, chewed and spit out. That is the devil. The devil has no interest in preserving anybody he will use for his instruments. And a typical example of this is in Luke chapter 10, verse 25 to 37. The Bible lets us know that there was an innocent man who fell into the arms of thieves. They beat him maliciously and left him for dead. They left him in a comatose state. And the Bible lets us know that a priest and Levite came. None of them paid attention to him, but the good Samaritan did. And that's where we get that popular story of the parable of the good Samaritan. Now, that was our state. We were broken. We were broken by the world. We were broken by the prince of the power of the air. We were left in a very bad state. And that is why people come to church. Church is for broken people, people with broken bones. And for this reason, God has set ministry gifts in office whose job is to equip. And one aspect of equipping is to set broken bones. It's like a surgeon trying to fix a, a, an ailment or fix something right about your body. That is what we are supposed to do. Amen. So we are supposed to set broken bones in place as ministry gifts. So if you find yourself in any of the fivefold ministry gifts of the apostle, the prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, your job is to set broken bones in place. Not to damage it, set it in place. It is part of equipping. The second definition of equipping to a Greek man, which meant we were like mending nets, which meant mending nets, can also be likened to us. We are all like broken nets at one point in our life who have been through the vicissitudes of life. That's the changing scenes. We've been worn out, we've been burdened, we've been overwhelmed with the harsh realities of life. Like a fisherman, ministry gives build our lives, which is tantamount to a fisherman mending his nets. And from what I've heard, I've never been a fisherman before, but from, you know, um, testimonies and people who are into that occupation, 
the most tedious job is not even catching a fish. It's mending a net. It's very tedious because the fisherman will tell you if you want to stand a chance of having a great catch, a heavier catch, it needs be you always have to mend your nets daily. It's not weekly. It's not monthly. It's not every two days. You have to do it daily. And when it comes to mending nets, there are processes that are involved. It involves spreading out the nets, which is a very tough task. It involves sifting through them. You know, you have to sift all the, the debris, the rocks, and all those things out of them. That takes a lot of time. It also means you have to repair the holes. You know, when each and every time when you launch your net into the sea for a catch, your net always surface wear and tear. There is a breaking in the net and you always have to repair those holes. You also have to retie knots. You always have to be in the process of retie knots and then you have to clean out the debris. I think that's the most difficult part because for you to have a strong net for a catch, it is required you do this. That is the fisherman's reasoning. And may I submit to you this morning that God has set ministry gifts to build our lives so that we will become fishers of men. You see, the net has to be mended so that the net can go a fishing. Likewise, ministry gifts have been sent forth to equip and out of the word equip is the analogy of mending. We mend people's lives. We build people's lives up for a goal so that they will become fishers of men. Now, I want us to learn an important principle from the head of the church, who is Jesus. In our first installment, we came to the conclusion, scripturally speaking, that Jesus is the head of the church. I want you to look at something because when we talk about equip, you will see a form of equipping here. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 to 22. And I read, And Jesus, walking by the sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. So Jesus met two brothers. That's Peter and Andrew, they cast the net into the sea. Then he said to them, follow me, I will make you fishers of men. Let's read on verse 20. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers. Excuse me. James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. He called them and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. You see, Jesus was looking at the fisherman. You know, two brothers, Peter and Andrew, they were casting nets. And there were another set of brothers, James and John, who were the sons of Zebedee. That's Mr. Zebedee's uh, sons. He was also, uh, the, the children of Mr. Zebedee, they were rather mending nets. And when Jesus looked at it, he just looked at the analogy of equipping. You know, Jesus, very prophetic, was looking at the church. And he said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. How do you think Jesus was going to make them fishers of men? He was going to make them fishers of men by looking at the process by which fishermen mend their nets so that they will be able to fish for more. Jesus was saying that, follow me. 
I'm going to mend your lives. The, 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 the broken part of your life, the one part of your life, I am going to take you through a phase and a process of equipping. And after I have finished equipping you, you will be in a position to be a fisher of men. When God tasks upon any individual a ministry gift, the job is to mend people's lives, which is part of equipping, so that they will be able to be fishers of men. So, ministry gifts, we can't relax until our members are able to also win souls for Christ. Until our members are able to disciple people for Christ, we haven't really seen through our job. It's called equipping. And now when we join these two words, setting broken bones and mending nets, the first point really speaks to me of restoration. So church is a house of restoration. God is in the business of restoration. So when we are talking about equipping, either setting broken bones or mending nets, it's talking to us about restoration. The church should be a place of restoration. Now, why are saints equipped? Why? Let's read NIV again. It says, Christ gave the fivefold ministry, and the gifts are named apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Why? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry. So, Equipping the saints is not just the end goal. It's a means to an end. And what is the end here? For the work of ministry. I like how NIV puts it. For works of service or acts of service. So saints are supposed to be equipped by ministry gifts for acts of service. So that's the reason why a ministry gift will go through the process of equipping the believer. Because when the believer comes to a place of equipping, he will be fit, he will be strong, he will be mended for acts of service. So, the days of coming to church where the member will see a pastor as a superstar. Those days are over. According to the Bible. When you join a church, you know, the average person's understanding of churches, I come to church, listen to the sermon, I go home, live my life, I come back again on Sunday. Well, it's biblically erroneous. What the saints, members of the church are supposed to do is that they are supposed to be equipped by the fivefold ministry gifts so that they will do acts of service. For you to do acts of service, you need to be fit. It is only when saints are strong, mended, and fit for acts of service that will lead to the second purpose of ministry gifts. So what is the second purpose of ministry gifts? It says it very clearly that the body of Christ will be built up. Otherwise, use the word edified. 
other versions use the word built up and it's all the same amen believers are equipped for assignments god has given each and every one of us an assignment that's why the church is a training ground and until the church comes to that level we will not experience a built up church so ministry gifts yes jesus christ says i will build my church but how is jesus building his church he is building his church by sending his gifts to men in the form of the apostle the prophet evangelist the pastor and the teacher who equip the saints and when the saints are equipped to do the work of ministry or works of service the bible lets us know that the resultant effect of that is that the body will be built up now what does it mean when the body is built up here it means strengthened and expansion so we could read it like this god has given the fivefold ministry gifts to equip the saints for the work of ministry so that the body of christ will be strengthened and expanded when the church is strengthened it becomes an army so for a church to become an army advancing the kingdom of god taking over the territory of the devil it needs to go through equipping hence the reason for the fivefold ministry when the church is expanded it becomes a nation or a movement you know when the church is expanded it becomes a nation within a nation or it becomes a movement so when i look at the second point of the church will become built up it talks about influence so the reason why god has given the fivefold ministry gifts is for restoration for us to be restored get our lives back in order being built being nourished being enhanced so that we can grow in the image and the likeness of christ then we can be of service to other people the second reason why god has given the ministry gifts is for influence because what is the point of coming to a place of restoration but you can't use that as influence so god has called the church to a place of influence that is why we need to expand and it's only in expanding that we will experience true influence amen now christianity became a well-state religion by the end of the first century and the end of first century was 100 or 100 a.d it, it was said that the church started in 33 a.d you know, like, like when they use the word AD. Why do they use the word AD? Because it was said that Jesus was born 1 AD. That's why it's called Anno Domini, the year of our Lord. So it was said that Jesus died at 33 AD. And the church was established 33 AD. Now, between 33 AD and 100 AD, that's the first century. That's a period of 67 years. Now, history says that by 67 years the whole world had become christianized that's what i mean by it was a world state religion there was only one religion by 100 a.d and it was christianity the whole world became christianized 
100 AD, first century. It took them 67 years. Why? Because of ministry gifts who were able to equip the saints. They, they, they built their lives by setting broken bones in place. They mended their lives like mending a net for a heavier catch. And when the saints were trained, that they were able to be fit and strong to carry out works of service along with the ministry gifts, which caused for the building and the establishment of the church, which means that it was strengthened and expanded by the first century, 67 years, the world became Christianized. And that's why today we celebrate Pentecost. Pentecost is the official anniversary of the church. When Jesus Christ said in Matthew chapter 16, I will build my church. When was the inception? Pentecost. Today is Pentecost. Pentecost was the inception of the church. So today is the 1988th anniversary of the church. So today, in every church, Roman Catholic, whatever, SDA, Charismatic, Reformed Theology, Protestants. Today is our church anniversary. It's called Pentecost. And what is Pentecost? I mean, if you read the Old Testament, you understand Pentecost or to the Jew. To the Jew and to us, Pentecost means different things. When you read your Bible carefully, the Bible lets us know that seven feasts were instituted that the Jewish people had to observe. One of them was called Passover. Now, 50 days after Passover, they celebrated another feast called Pentecost. So that's what Pentecost is. Pentecost simply means 50 days after the Passover. And to us Christians, when we talk about Pentecost, we see Pentecost as 50 days after Jesus Christ was crucified. Because Jesus Christ was crucified on Pentecost. I'm sorry. Jesus Christ was crucified on Passover, which was Good Friday. It was a Passover day. They crucified Jesus, and then from there to when the Holy Spirit came upon the church was a period of 50 days. And that's our understanding of Pentecost. So when we talk about Pentecost, we are not talking like the Jews. Because even today, Jews still celebrate Pentecost. They don't celebrate the Pentecost that we are accustomed to. They celebrate Pentecost as in observing the feast. When we talk about Pentecost, we are talking about 50 days after Jesus was crucified. That's why today on our calendar, when we talk about Pentecost, it means 50 days after Good Friday. So between Good Friday and now, it's a 50-day period. That's why it's called Pentecost. But it has a spiritual meaning. It was the inception of the church of God. It was also a fulfillment of the prophecy that was given by Joel in chapter 2, verse 28 of his book, which says that I will pour my spirit upon all flesh and young men shall see visions, your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and old men and women shall dream dreams. I mean, old men and women, they are tired. They just have to sleep. They will just see dreams. Amen. But whichever, the Bible lets us know that the Holy Spirit will be poured upon all flesh, that took place on Pentecost. So on, on Pentecost Sunday, or what we are celebrating today, two powerful events took place. The inception of the church. It started with 120 people 
who gathered together in the upper room in Jerusalem, praying and believing God that they will receive the Holy Spirit. That was the inception of the church. And then number two, it also marked the inception of the Holy Spirit now being poured upon them. And when the Holy Spirit came upon them, the Bible lets us know that now they became witnesses. And from the time when they experienced the Holy Spirit, 67 years, the whole world became Christianized. Today, as we are speaking, Christianity is the world's largest religion. It boasts of nearly 3 billion people. Thanks be to God for ministry gifts. Ministry gifts have been sent for a purpose. And today's teaching on this day of Pentecost, we need to come back to the biblical definition of why the church exists. We have to come back to the biblical importance and significance of ministry gifts. They have been sent forth to equip believers, which is tantamount to setting broken bones in, p- in place or mending nets. It's a time of restoration so that you will come to that place where you are strong, mended, and fit. And it's only strong, mended, and fit believers who can do works of service for the Lord. That's why we do the work of ministry seminar. I, I got the name from this verse, work of ministry. It's only built up believers who qualify to do work of ministry. And even if you look through the Bible from the early church, anybody who got involved in the work of ministry of spreading the gospel, it was because they were trained, they were equipped by the fivefold ministry gifts in the house. So that's the role of the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. And when that happens, when believers are equipped and they can do the work of ministry, it moves into point two, that the church will be built up. The body of Christ generally will be built up, which means will be strengthened and expansion. There will be strength and there will be expansion. It talks about the strengthening of the church and the church expanding beyond its frontiers and beyond its wall. Therefore, we pray in the name of Jesus that may the church come back to that place of influence and it can only come back to the place of influence when we begin to rediscover our purpose, scripturally speaking. So today, thank God for the head of the church, Jesus Christ. He didn't fail when he says, I'll build my church. Indeed, he did build the church. He built the church by being the chief cornerstone. He built the church by sending gifts, which will help build the lives of believers. Thank God for the Holy Spirit, the perfect gift. Pentecost, that's one thing we have to thank God for. The Holy Spirit has been sent that the prophecy that was sent forth by Joel is fulfilled. You have to thank God for that. Today, all of us here are carriers of the Holy Spirit. It's a great opportunity for us to thank God. 
Today, thank God for ministry gifts. If you have a pastor, thank God. Today, some of the most ridiculed people are ministry gifts. The apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher. Because people don't know their purpose. And like Miles Monroe of Blessed Memory said, wherever purpose is not known or properly defined, abuse is inevitable. When people begin to know the purpose of ministry gifts, biblically speaking, <laughs> abuse will cease. Abuse, abnormal use, it will cease. So thank God for ministry gifts. Because ministry gifts are for our welfare. They are for our equipping. They are to equip us so that we can come to a place of maturity where we will be primed to do works of service, works of ministry. And what is works of ministry? It is anything. It ranges from sharing the word of God with someone to doing good to letting your life know that I am a Christian. All these are works of service. And then when that happens, the resultant effect of that leaps into number two, which means that the body of Christ will be built, we will be strengthened, and we will expand. So thank God for the ministry gifts, and thank God for the church. We have learned throughout our series that the church is not a what. The church is a who. The church is you. Thank God for you. Thank God for me. We are all part of his church. I've drawn my conclusion this morning. God willing, we'll pick up again from where we left off in three weeks' time. Amen. And in three weeks' time, I'll be ministering under the sub-team, the metrics of a built-up church. Amen. Join me this morning in thanking God for the ministry gifts. Let's pray. Begin to thank God. Thank you, Jesus. We give you praise. Libro Sabanto Nimashu Kayandele Bekutale Badaso Korobusi Kayandala Mama. Thank you, Lord. Give you praise. Let's thank God for the ministry gifts. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Mazo Kando Moshi Kayandala Bosi Kadababa. God gave you a pastor because he loves you. He is thinking of your restoration. He is thinking of your equipping. God sent forth an evangelist because he loves you. He is thinking of how your life can be mended back. You come to a place of restoration. God gave you the teacher because he is thinking of how you will be built, which will extend your influence beyond borders. Thank God for ministry gifts. We give you praise, O oh Lord. We receive the gifts that you've given to us. We receive the gift of the apostle, the gift of the prophets, the gift of the evangelist, the gift of the pastor, the gift of the teacher. We receive them, Lord. We receive the purpose for which you have called them. We thank you that their purpose have been spelled clearly, which is outlined in your scriptures. And Father, we receive them. We submit to them, Lord, that we will go through every equipment necessary, every training necessary, that we will grow in the image and in the likeness of you, O Lord. Thank you, O Lord. And Father, as we do that, may we have a built-up, well-nourished, strengthened, and expanded church 
that its territories will be extended beyond borders. Thank you, Lord. We give you praise. We thank you that you have perfected that which concerns us in Jesus' name. Oh, Father, I've delivered your word to your people. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for Jesus, the head of the church. Thank you for the ministry gifts. Thank you for the Holy Spirit, the perfect gifts. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you built the most powerful agency, most powerful organism, which is your church. I give you praise for that now and forever. In Jesus' name. Oh, Father, I want to end this prayer and say I thank you. I am part of the church. We are part of the church. A church that you have washed with your blood. Amen.